So I'm sure lately you've heard a lot about things like Me Too and seen some of these documentaries about what life was like in the 90s and such like that. I actually got yet another Hulu trial because I got this big, huge television in my living room for Christmas. It wasn't something I needed. I literally put it on a Christmas list and I said, okay, if you feel compelled to get me one, you can get me one. I think my family felt bad when I moved into my new apartment and I had like my little tiny TV that I had when I was just living in a bedroom. And it was perfectly fine to live in a bedroom and have this little television set, but here I was in this living room where there's a lot more space and I just had this little TV and I think my sister in particular felt bad for me. And she's like, oh, like she's this little orphan walking around with her shoes messed up and we've got to get her nice shoes so it looks normal and she feels better and all this. So next thing you know, I got this TV and I got a subscription to Roku. They made sure, oh, we've got Roku with it. So I think as part of getting Roku, I had something with, oh, you can get another Hulu trial. Even though I had a Hulu, a Hulu trial probably about a year ago or something like that. So I was like, okay, we'll use this Hulu trial. So one of the things I usually have been doing, and especially lately, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I was watching them definitely when I was dealing with the whole situation with my last apartment and staying at random, you know, staying at people's houses. I've been watching them in general, I guess, even before I was working at my last job where they were trying to do documentaries. But I don't know, it's just something of, oh, it's kind of interesting to me and I'm learning about different things and I feel learning about knowledge and such is important. I'm also a critical thinker, so I tend to watch these things and sometimes I see, okay, maybe this person's perspective makes sense. But in other times I've seen some stuff and it's like, okay, that's total bullshit. Where did they get this from? I have no idea. But I've been watching a few documentaries lately and if you've seen some of the stuff on Hulu, They've got a lot of stuff going on about different industries. Like they did one called Dark Side of the 90s and they talked about the fashion industry. And I was also watching the Victoria's Secret. There was like a documentary on that one talking about the Angels fashion shows and generally about Victoria's Secret, the company, what happened with Lex Wexler, Epstein, all that stuff and sort of how that structure went. So as I'm watching these documentaries, I see a lot of this stuff, particularly about how the fashion industry was working and about how if you wanted to be a model, especially if you were a teenager, you had to deal with people basically propositioning you for sex. That apparently you had a lot of agents doing this. You had, I don't know, it seems like everybody in the industry, but apparently a lot of these big agents were doing this stuff that you had to go to particular clubs every night. And I remember hearing a discussion about model houses. And it was actually interesting that I heard about this discussion when I did a fashion show a few years back. And one of the models talked about living in a model house at that time. And another model had lived in a model house in the past. And she was talking about her experience with this. And from her experience and her telling of this, you'd be like, yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, it might look glamorous on the outside, but the inside, uh-uh. You don't want to deal with that. That's something you want to be out of. So with things like Harvey Weinstein and all these sex scandals and everything going on in the industry, one of the big things I've thought of, maybe a few lessons I've taken away are number one, it's probably a good thing I lived in North Carolina. Number two, it's probably a good thing I had very strict parents who probably would have been like, oh no, you're not going overseas to go see some rando person. You're not going to go hang around some strange male that we don't know. My family is definitely on the religious side. My mom would have been like, no. My father would have probably killed somebody. And in fact, I know for a fact my father would kill somebody if they even dared to look at me the wrong way. 
And it was probably a good thing that I was very academic and focused on my studies. Because I remember when I was in high school, I was working at my retail job. And one day I was asked to cover the jewelry section and I got asked to be in this haircut show. So I had just gotten my haircut and I think it was about collar length or something at the time. And I ended up declining because I was like, well, is it during a school day? And they said yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I have class. And I think this was my junior or my senior year at the time. It might have been my senior year because I remember I was taking AP level classes. And if you were taking AP classes, I don't know about today, but definitely in those days, when I was taking AP level classes, it was not one of those things where you had the option of missing a day. Like if you missed a day, you would get way behind. I mean, literally my time between breaks, between doing anything else, I was doing homework for these AP level classes. Like I was studying. It was intense. You literally did not have time. Like, I mean, there's even a picture of me senior year in my yearbook where during the period where I was a library page, I'm like, you're doing my assignments for my AP level class. And I'm like, yeah, that was my life in that time. I was just studying like a madman, you know? So it was one of those things I was doing partially because I wanted to get the heck out of that town. I wanted to have a great transcript. I wanted to go to college, wanted to advance academically, get a great education and so forth. They thought, yeah, my parents wouldn't have been the type of, okay, you can go be a teen model and you can go do all that stuff. And I wasn't living in a major town like New York or LA, so unlikely for me to get discovered. And as I hear about this stuff in these documentaries, it's probably a damn good thing I didn't get discovered. Because apparently you had to sleep with these people and if you weren't willing to do that, you wouldn't get work. Like models even talked about that openly and there was even an expose on this one guy that had been done in the 80s, but people totally ignored that and they continued and went on, right? And apparently an operation, there was a similar operation and how that worked with becoming a Victoria's Secret model and specifically becoming a Victoria's Secret angel. And actually when I was in college and I was living in Atlanta, I was dating this guy who was older than me and he said to me, you look like a Victoria's Secret angel. And I actually saw something on the documentary and they were talking about how apparently when they were choosing models, they didn't choose people with freckles. And I thought, yeah, I don't even know that they had a natural redhead in this. They may have had like one person who was a natural redhead near the end of the whole thing, but that was it. And I thought to myself, yeah, I probably, even as a teenager, would not have been the type of person to go put up with that shit. Like I was hearing about this, one of these agents in particular propositioning these models. And I thought to myself, so if somebody had propositioned me in that time, probably even if I was a teenager, my thinking would be, okay, so my job is really not relevant and it doesn't really matter. You basically just want a prostitute. You're not looking for me. You're not looking for somebody with actual talent. You could go just get a hooker off the street and she could go be on the fashion cover. She could go model in these magazines. So by that thinking, if you just need a prostitute, why don't you just go out on the street and go hire yourself a damn prostitute? Go get a prostitute to do that stuff. I'm sure they'd be perfectly fine with sleeping with you and doing this shit. Why are you, you know, why waste the time of somebody who's modeling? I think I would have even said that to somebody if that had come up. I'm pretty sure of it. I think I would have said, why don't you go and find a prostitute over here on the street corner and leave me the hell alone? Why don't you just send me home and send my bags away? Because obviously my job is worthless. Why are you paying me all this money? Why are you wasting my time? There's obviously no point to that. And I also saw this Facebook discussion recently. One of my friends, I think a lot of people have had discussions about how creatives aren't respected and why don't we give actors and people in the arts the same respect that we give to lawyers and doctors. 
Well, there are a few reasons for that, folks. Let me explain about that. Number one, you can't use the casting couch to become a lawyer. You can't use it to get into law school. You can't use it to pass the bar exam. And you can't use it for law school exams. When I was doing law school, when we did our exams, you literally were given a number and your grading was anonymous. Your professor didn't even know whose paper he got. They would just be reviewing the answers. They would just have whatever number you had. And you didn't have the same number every single semester. So it wasn't like you were attached to a number like, say, your social security number. You would just get an anonymous code actually every semester. So first semester, your code might be different. And then the next semester, you'd get something different and so on and so on. So it's not like you were linked to a particular number. But all of our exams were graded that way. So nobody know, knew who got whatever grade. Like a professor couldn't say, oh, I've got this student I got my eye on and I'm going to give her a high grade. Because he would get your paper, but he wouldn't necessarily know what your handwriting looks like. He wouldn't know who you were. I mean, especially nowadays, since most people aren't doing handwriting, we really didn't do exams and things like that in law school. So most of the time, if somebody looked at your writing, it would have been on the law school exam. It wouldn't have been during some other test. You usually wouldn't have another writing assessment, anything like that. And I can't imagine somebody's writing being so distinct in a school that you would be able to tell it from everybody else's. Now, I mean, maybe if you were sort of an old-fashioned type and you'd written love notes or something to each other, then maybe you would have that. But I think the love note has gotten a little passe and people probably aren't doing that these days. So it's probably just more a texting situation. And I think even in the early 2000s, like maybe the mid-2000s, late-2000s, when I went to law school, I think it was like mid-2000s. But back in those days, I think it was still more like texting and it was emails. So all you would see is like characters on a keyboard. So you wouldn't even see somebody's handwriting. You'd have no idea what it looked like. You might have an idea of somebody's words, but obviously words are very different if you're writing a love note as opposed to taking an exam and doing legal analysis and having to explain and doing the whole little process you have to do to do legal analysis correctly. So that's one big difference. You also can't use it with the bar exam. And in fact, we have no idea really who are the bar examiners. Nobody really knows. So it's not like you could go cozy up to some bar examiner and say, hey, I want to get a high grade on this. I want to pass this part. So if you sleep with me, please do that. And if you give me a high grade, I'll sleep with you. Can't really do that. There's also multiple components of it. So you'd have to find the person who's administering the multi-state portion you have to find the person doing the ethics part and you have to find the person doing the state bar exam. And nobody really knows who these people are. It's not like there's a chief or there's somebody in charge where it's, oh, you can go contact that person. And by the way, if you sleep with me, I'll sleep with you and you give me a high grade. It doesn't work that way. So that's one big difference as to why aren't creatives getting respect. You can't just cast and couch your way into that. Number two, nobody expects you to cast and couch your way into that. And if you did do that, I think people would look down upon you big time. Like I've definitely noticed in the legal profession, there's a lot of slut shaming. I've gone to court and I've actually overheard people make comments about some woman's skirt length. And usually this was other women. Or women get a lot of jealousy and competitiveness about that stuff. So yeah, it's not really going to work. And people kind of look down on you if you were doing that sort of thing or if they even think you're doing that sort of thing in the legal profession. Whereas in entertainment, I don't know that that necessarily happens. Like from when you hear about some of these big companies and these big enterprises doing that stuff, I don't know that people had a lot of contempt and derision towards that. When you saw these, when I saw these interviews, it sort of sounded like, oh, it's business as usual. 
And another thing I'm curious about when I've heard these interviews and heard this stuff is like, okay, these people didn't do it by themselves. So where the hell are these managers? Where the hell are these agents? Why aren't we calling out some of these companies? Why aren't we calling out the principals of these companies, the people that own this stuff, the people that were agents and managers that were casting directors at that time? Because I know that in doing film and things like that, I think my response would have been, you're not looking for a casting director, you're looking for a madam. You're not looking for an agent, you're not looking for a manager, so why are you even wasting my time? You need to just go find a madam. Because if all you do is you cast people who've slept with you, why don't you just hire prostitutes? In fact, I'm curious, nobody ever asked Harvey Weinstein about that, of, hey, why don't you just go and cast prostitutes off the street? Why are you wasting time with this illusion that, oh, we need to have training for this? Oh, we need to have experience for this. Oh, we need to get an education, like go and do acting training. Oh, go and learn how to walk properly. Why are we deluding ourselves? Why are we making up this nonsense and creating this fiction that we actually need to do that when it's all about who you're going to fuck? And it, for that matter, why do we even have the illusion of it's about your weight? Because you could be the thinnest person in the room. And if you're not putting out, then they're not going to deal with you. So probably some girl who weighs more might end up sleeping with them anyway. So if that's your key criterion, why are we even deluding ourselves about somebody's look, about somebody's weight? What's the, what's the point of that? You know, that's my question. So I think it would have been very interesting if I'd been encountered with that situation and somebody said that to me. I think I'd have been like, okay, so why don't you just go and hire prostitutes? Why don't you just go and talk to a madam? Why are you wasting my time? Why are you basically having me do this job that you yourself have just told me is completely worthless? That it has no value, it has no merit whatsoever. I don't think you would ever have somebody tell a lawyer that. I don't think a lawyer would generally be put in a situation of, oh, your job is completely useless and we could just get anybody off the street to do it. I can tell you from my experience, that's really not true. You actually do have to have a brain to be a lawyer. You have to actually have a brain to be a doctor. Can't just pick some prostitute off the street and say, oh, go, let's put you in a business suit and you can go to court and argue cases. Nah. You have to actually know how to analyze. You have to know how to write. You have to know how to do research. You have to know how to read properly. You have to know how to synthesize facts. And you have to figure out how you're going to formulate these facts and how you can use your narrative and use your story to come up with a viable argument based on all this legal precedent, based on statutory law, based on all this history, how do you come up with a story that's going to sway a judge, a jury, the arbitrator, whoever we're dealing with, the mediator, whoever. So that's what you have to do there. It's not exactly like going and sleeping in somebody's bed and then telling somebody where to pose and where to stand. So I think that's probably another reason people don't have that same type of respect for creative types. I hate to say it. So I think one of the big things, if you really wanted to improve that, and I feel like I, I think I even made that point to my friend who had posed that question, but I think in general, if you wanted to fix that and you want to address it, is maybe we ought to actually hold people accountable for these sorts of things. Maybe get that element out of the business. Maybe say, okay, we're taking it seriously. We're treating it as an actual craft. No. You're not going to get a pass for sexually harassing people. You're not going to get a pass for propositioning them. In fact, I would say, why are you giving us the illusion and giving us this idea that, oh, there's an actual skill involved. There's actual talent concerned when, no, it's just about who you're going to fuck. Hmm? Why do that? 
I do know for a fact and from my own experience, I don't think you're ever going to make partner in a law firm. You're not going to advance somewhere. If you go to one of the partners and say, oh, if you, I want to sleep with you, so you'll give me a partnership. I don't know of anybody who's gotten a job that way, to be honest. I can't think of a single scenario I've heard of where somebody did that. And I don't even know of any woman actually doing that at work. Like, certainly I've never had to deal with that. I can't even see if I worked at a law firm that somebody would do something like that to me because maybe I just don't give off that kind of vibe. And in fact, one of my friends said I was the type of person that a Harvey Weinstein wouldn't even bother talking to, that they just would not approach me in that way because for one thing, I'm a bit of a loose cannon. Natural River deadheads tend to be like that. And I've explained to people that yes, I'm the type of woman who would probably cut one of your balls off if you tried that. Or yes, my father would probably come and kill you if you even harmed me. You even laid a finger on me that I did not consent to. My father would have come and killed you. And in fact, my mother probably would have had to stop him from trying to organize a posse and just having you killed. Or even hiring a hit person to come and hurt you. That's what would happen. And I definitely know that I have had some choice moments with people and my own experiences doing modeling. In fact, one time... I was supposed to be doing this fashion show that cost money to attend. It like had an admission price. And this guy that I was seeing at the time who had never seen me model at all, who I'd be dating if he'd lived in the same town, but he was traveling around the world, was going to be at the show. And I had this random person who supposedly worked at one of the major networks say, oh, I want to meet you and where are you doing your next show? And I told him when the show was. And I mentioned that this guy that I'd been seeing who had never seen me model before was going to be there basically to imply, okay, I don't have time to do an extended conversation with you. You could have a brief pleasantry with me, but you're going to have to schedule a meeting if you want to talk to me about stuff, that sort of thing. And he says to me, oh, I thought you'd be alone. And I thought that's way too intrusive in my personal life. So I'm like, have you heard of Harvey Weinstein? Because this was shortly after Me Too had happened that this guy had said this to me. And I thought, why the hell are you doing this? Haven't we heard about Me Too and the firestorm and all that stuff? And he seemed very puzzled and confused that I brought that up. So I'm like, I'm also an entertainment attorney. And as an attorney, it's not my job to kiss your ass, suck your dick, or stroke your ego. I should have write this. And then he's like, oh, you're using such foul language. And I thought... Yeah, this also tells me you're an effing fraud because I live in New York City. I had lived in New York City at that time for well over a decade. Had been practicing law at that time for well over a decade. It's like there's profanity running all over the place in New York. There is crudity everywhere. The entertainment industry is not a pretty business. In fact, the business of law itself is not a pretty business, even in the transactional side. So I thought, what in the hell are you talking about if, oh, you've heard foul language? Give me an effing break, okay? As I've said, and I've also said this to people too, I'm like, lawyers are not marshmallows. If you're expecting some little passive wimp who's worried about everybody liking them and being little Miss Mary Sunshine, why the F are you talking to me? Why the F are you wasting my time? I'm a damn lawyer. That's not my job. It is a lawyer's job to deliver ugly truths, not pretty lies. It is a lawyer's job to tell you the things you need to hear, not the things you want to hear. So it's like, okay, why the hell are you even stepping to a lawyer with that whole prostitution game? Like, excuse me, buddy, I know what the law is. And I think a cop would believe me. 
and law enforcement and lawyers and going to court and all that, they'd probably believe me if I said you did something inappropriate. So maybe you ought to think twice about that. Have a little more power in this world. And I try to encourage women and I try to make sure of, yeah, don't be a victim. You need to actually assert yourself and tell some fuckers what's what and be like, yeah, if you want to hire a damn prostitute, hire a damn prostitute. Stop feeding us this illusion of it takes actual skill or talent to do these things in the industry and leave us the hell alone.